You're listening to Martin Wolf's podcast from the Financial Times. You have enjoyed a debt-financed spending spree, but times are now harder. You find it impossible to roll over your debt. You have to pay much higher interest rates than before, or you find that the value of the assets you pledged as collateral is now less than your loan. But what can you do? Provided enough of you are in trouble, you can call for help from the fairy government mother. Thus George Magnus of UBS, among the wisest analysts of this crisis, has already observed with some approval that the crisis is, I quote, spawning an array of well-scripted but highly unconventional public policy responses. That is to say, rescues of various kinds. Over-indebted individuals have just three choices. Reduce spending below income, sell assets they own to somebody else, or, if the worst comes to the worst, default. But one person's debt is another person's asset. One person's expenditure is another person's income. One person's sale is another person's purchase. And one person's default is another person's loss. If very many individuals reduce their spending in order to pay down their debt, the economy will slump. If many try to sell assets they own, their prices will crash. If many default on their debt, financial intermediaries will implode. The economics of an entire economy are not the same as the economics of a single household. That was perhaps the most important point John Maynard Keynes ever made. Thus argues Mr Magnus, and I quote, there is a quite serious risk that the deleveraging downturn could run amok. Credit contraction causes economic contraction, which causes further write-downs and capital destruction, which leads to more credit contraction, and so on. On the upside, the fairy government mother stood on the sidelines, applauding the enthusiasm of her charges. On the downside, she's dragged in, as risk addiction turns into risk aversion. Between its low in the first quarter of 1982 and its high in the second quarter of 2007, the share of the financial sector's profits in U.S. gross domestic product rose more than sixfold. Behind this boom was an economy-wide rise in leverage. Leverage was the philosopher's stone that turned economic lead into financial gold. Attempts to reduce it now risk turning the gold back into lead again. Helene Ray of the London Business School has demonstrated this process for the financial sector. She describes three ways in which markets have malfunctioned. Via the originate-to-distribute model, with its weak incentives to assess loan quality and wide diffusion of assets of unknown quality. Via the vicious spiral in credit default swaps, with rising prices forcing a higher cost of funds on banks, so worsening their credit standing, and so forth. And finally, via tumbling market valuation of assets, with distressed sales in thin markets, lowering solvency and forcing further sales. Each drowning institution drags others down with it. The solution they all desire is for the government to act as lender of last resort against illiquid instruments and buyer of last resort of impaired ones. While the former activity has been known since the days of Walter Bajot's Lombard Street, the latter is an overt bailout. But for the sector as a whole, any other way of reducing excessive liabilities is far too slow collectively ruinous or both. Now consider a second and still more important sector, US households. They have been spending more than their income for a decade. 
Indeed, this spending has been the single most important counterpart of the persistent U.S. surplus on the capital account or deficit on the current account. In the process, households have, of course, accumulated ever more debt. How might households seek to reduce their indebtedness collectively? They can try to sell assets, but they can sell houses only to one another, which would not, in aggregate, help. They can sell equities to the rest of the world, but their prices might well crash first. They can default, indeed many seem likely to do so, but that would damage the financial sector's solvency, and through that, either the government's balance sheet via bailouts or the balance sheet of other households via losses on financial assets. Finally, they can cut back on spending. But that would guarantee a recession, if not a slump. In the fourth quarter of 2007, household savings were still as low as ever, at just 2% of GDP. Imagine that they rose swiftly back to where they were in the early 1990s. That will be an increase of 4 percentage points of GDP. The result will be a deep recession. It is no surprise, therefore, that politicians are trying to rescue the housing market while the Federal Reserve has been slashing interest rates with vigour. In such predicaments, the government always emerges as a lender, borrower and spender of last resort. It will act by bailing out insolvent people and institutions, by either replacing or guaranteeing the lending activities of the private financial sector, and not least by running larger fiscal deficits as private sector financial deficits shrink. It should be no surprise, therefore, that the principal balance sheet effect of Japan's long crisis was a rise in the government's gross debt from 70% of GDP in 1990 to 180% at the end of last year. Leverage did not so much disappear as become socialised. Similarly, a rise in the indebtedness of the US government is an almost inevitable consequence of any prolonged financial crisis. A jump in public debt is an invisible increase in long-term private obligations, but this is socialised private debt, the prudent paid for the profligate. An escape from the public sector's debt trap does exist. It is the mass default known as inflation. By destroying the purchasing power of money, the government can engineer a speedy reduction in indebtedness across the economy, at the expense of creditors, principally the elderly and foreigners. Inflation is a magic tax on creditors whose proceeds are directly transferred to debtors. The bottom line is simple. Neither households nor the financial sector as a whole can deleverage swiftly, other than by a calamitous mass default or by shifting their debt elsewhere, usually onto the government. For an entire economy, particularly a huge one, to recover from debt addiction is hard. However much one may loathe the idea, and I do, a private sector financial mania will finish up as public sector pain. Thank you for listening. To read Martin Wolf's columns online, please go to www.ft.com forward slash wolf.